Hey lady, do you sometimes feel like you've lost yourself? Are you internalizing your feelings and walking around on eggshells either at home or at work? Maybe there is something missing in your life, but you just can't quite figure out what it is. Or even worse, you know what it is, but you feel stuck and you can't move forward. Well, I have been there more often than I care to admit. I spent more than 20 years climbing the corporate ladder only for it to come to an abrupt end during a 10-minute meeting. (laughs) I was so busy climbing that ladder to satisfy one aspect of myself that I neglected to take the time I needed to really focus on how to achieve true balance in every aspect of my life. Hi, I'm Anya Day, and welcome to the Find Your Voice and Own It podcast, where I give women practical tips on how to find their voice through changing their mindset, identifying their passion, and owning their story, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So, go grab your favorite glass of wine or cup of tea if you're driving, relax, And let's peel away the layers of our complex onion to unleash our authentic voice that the world deserves to hear. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to the Find Your Voice and Own It podcast, and today's guest is Danita Lynn. Danita Lynn is an English professor and sign language interpreter turned life coach, and I'm excited for her to be here today. So welcome, Danita. (laughs) Say hello to my guest. Hello, everyone. (laughs) So, oh, sorry. So I wanted Danita on the podcast today because she has a very powerful story as it relates to forgiveness and its importance. And the one of the things that I really think is important as it relates to finding your voice and truly owning it is really changing your mindset and how you look at things. And I think that Danita has a lot to share that will be helpful to our listeners in terms of how you effectively move past some things. So I'm excited to have you here today. So let's first start off with, I have a a weird random question. So when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Two things that I remember. I know I wanted to be a lawyer which is probably the last of the two things that I wanted to do. Before that, I think I wanted to be an interior designer or an architect or something like that. I remember, oh, taking, wow. I remember taking architecture classes at Howard University in a summer program, like the Mayor's Summer Youth Program or something. One of the options was to take this class and we learned how to write like architect. Like they all, if you notice on blueprints, all the handwriting looks the same. It the exact same. Design. Yes. They teach them how to write that. So I I never thought about it that way. (laughs) Yeah. I remember taking those classes, taking that class and learning how to write. So I can, I can write like that if I have to. It's so funny. (laughs) So that was a summer youth program. They actually paid me to take that class, which was really interesting. And it was at Howard University. So I can say I went to Howard kind of. Yes, you did. And then, (laughs) and then, so that was a part of the design thing that I thought I wanted to do. And then the lawyer part was because my dad is a business owner, real estate, and used to have so much trouble that I remember with tenants just being tenants to just, Mm. honey, anybody in that business knows that having tenants can be a task. Yes. I have an investment property in Baltimore that has put me through. So there, (laughs) so I used to see him going through so many things. And I say, what is your lawyer doing? I need to be your lawyer. Let me grow up and be a lawyer so I can help you. Cause geez. Oh, you wanted to help your daddy. <clears throat> that, was, that was the only reason why. Cause I was not really interested in it. But ironically, I ended up majoring in English in college 
because my intention was to go to law school. And everybody says, why didn't you do poli sci? And I said, well, I didn't do poli sci because I thought that the research aspect of it from being an English major was going to be more helpful. But that transitioned into me loving literature and English and writing and wanting to teach. Oh, cool. I was going to say, so then what made you become a, a teacher? That major in English, you know, after I got I was a senior in college and I remember going into my counselor's office and having a major breakdown because I did not want to go to law school anymore. And I was just like, oh my God, I have spent my whole four-year career majoring in English to go to law school and I don't like it. And I was crying and she was like, you know, just sat there and let me cry and got myself together because I had worked and I had done temporary work in law firms throughout college and I realized how much I hated it. And I said, those people don't have a life. They're there when I get there, Mm -hmm. leave them there. I leave them there in the evenings. And when I get back in the morning, they're still there. I don't want this life. And she let me, you know, get it all out. And then I realized that what she was doing was more my speed. Oh, wow. That makes sense though. (laughs) So when I was younger, I actually wanted to be a lawyer too, partially because I grew up, you know, we grew up looking at Cosby show era girl. So I wanted to be Claire Huxtable. I wanted what she had. (laughs) Cause she could read people. Yes. And you wouldn't even know you were bleeding until afterwards. Exactly. Like she was my Shiro when I was growing up. She had a smart and educated physician husband. She never lost sight of herself, in my opinion. Right. Be a boss, but then cuss you out without cussing you out. At the same time. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I wanted to be an attorney. It didn't happen. I feel like I have as many student loans as I do. I should be an attorney, but I don't know why I didn't do it. It was a number of things. I had a child when I was in college. And then ultimately, I just was like, no. I worked at a law firm for a year. Mm-hmm. And it made me say, oh, maybe I don't want to do this. Oh, yeah. The kind of law that I was interested in, in terms of like helping out a person. At one point, I thought maybe I was too emotional to do that. And I would be too attached. So it just never happened. It's interesting because a couple of weeks ago, I actually said, hey, is there a limit? Like, can I go to law school now? Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah. So that's the military. Then I can do it. <laughs> you totally could do it. Yeah. I mean, heck, how old is Biden? If Biden can be president at a certain age, then I guess. I'm 77. <laughs> I yeah. guess I could go to law school, whatever you age. Sure I could. You sure can. Cool. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. I like that. So you are also the author of the book, The Other Side of Forgive- Unforgiveness. Yes. And that is truly what, in a way, that's sort of what connected us. We were in the same circle. Right. In terms of we had the same mentor. We knew each other before that, though. Yes. Connected. Connected over that. Connected through that. Yeah. Yes. And I'm honored to call you my friend now. So I was just so touched by your story and then releasing the book. So I'm very curious. So first, what does forgiveness mean to you? Like, how would you define it? I call forgiveness the ability to talk about, think about, or just the ability to talk about and think about a situation that caused you pain without feeling the pain. Mm, I like that. Like the talk about and the think about. Because I feel like so many times we visit situations in our mind and when we visit them, we feel the same feelings. We smell the same smells. We just, all of that emotion just comes 
creeping back in. Exactly. So what because made time? Because time means nothing. Yeah, that's true. The whole time heals all wounds. Mm-mm, it doesn't. Lies. <laughs> Lies. I, I mean, that's part of that's in the book. I talk about that in the book. Like you keep waiting on time to do it. Yeah. <laughs> see see where that gets you. So what made you focus on that? And why do you think it's so important for people to forgive? Because I'm convinced that people are hurting other people because they haven't forgiven something that hurt them. Other and people unrelated to the incident, probably. <laughs> completely yeah. unrelated to the incident. <laughs> and as a result, it perpetuates itself. Okay, I got hurt. I don't deal with it with that person. I don't deal with it with myself. I go and hurt someone else. Now that person's hurt. Now that person goes, doesn't deal with it with me, goes and hurts someone else. And it just keeps growing. And we're being unnecessarily mean to people Mm. and hurting more and more people instead of shrinking the population of hurt people. We're growing it because we're not dealing with it. And I can't stay in seeing people be mean to each other. Like that burns me up. Just, I don't even have to know you. If I see something happening to someone that is just wrong, I am infuriated, infuriated. Like it's my mother. Right. (laughs) So were you just born with this spirit of forgiveness or was there like a light bulb moment that hit you that just said, okay, I can't do this no more? I don't know if I was born with it. I saw it my whole life through from my dad, just like I said, with the whole thing with tenants and people used to just treat him so horribly. And I used to watch him just still do way more than I thought he should be doing to help Mm -hmm. those same people. And so I saw it, can't say born with it because I didn't always demonstrate it. I was very much, I wasn't a grudge holder, but I could have some of the worst thoughts. (laughs) Towards you, like I just didn't want to. And we know that thoughts eventually lead to actions. So <laughs> we don't yeah. want that to happen. Yeah, I was mean. I was I was a complainer. I complained about everything. Got on my own nerves. That's how I finally stopped that. I heard myself one day and said, what, girl, if you are getting on your own nerves, you got to be getting on everybody else's nerves. So, so you woke <laughs> up one day and said, okay, I'm going to write a book about it. I'm going to deal with this. Not necessarily. I woke up and said, I'm going to write a book. I noticed all of my Facebook and Instagram posts were over the years addressing the topic of forgiveness. Oh. It was just like... I would see a memory of something I said five years ago, six years ago. And it went back as far as seven years where I had mentioned, I was mentioning things about forgiveness in posts, regular posts, not like once every two or three months, but once a week. (laughs) I was seeing, I was saying stuff about forgiveness and I was wow, I need to do something with this. So as the memories started coming up, I started going back and editing them and adding a hashtag so that when I wanted to search for it, I oh you would have it. Mm-hmm. That was smart. Yeah, because I was trying to figure out how I could get it all. I was, how can I get all of it on one page? And that's what I did. I went back and added those hashtags. So when it was time to pull them up, get them together in one place, I just typed in that hashtag and all of my stuff. So why do you think that people don't forgive others? When they wrong them. People have so many reasons. I stopped myself at seven in the book, but the first chapter talks about the different reasons why people don't forgive. And sometimes people, people don't, they don't think it's necessary for them to be successful. They don't realize the connection of their own success to their ability to forgive something. They might not think the person deserves it. Mm, I think that's a very common one. It's a big one. Yeah. And I always say, okay, so what? What if they don't deserve it? Have you ever done anything where 
you know you hurt somebody and you probably didn't deserve it either, but you wanted it. What do you do with that? That's if tough. You, <laughs> like if you want to, if you want to reap it, why aren't you willing to sow it? But how do you get past those emotions of that pain to just say, okay, I forgive so-and-so. Like, what if they did something really wrong? Like they raped you, they cheated on you, they lied to you. I mean, there's, I can't say that one thing is quote unquote worse than the other because everybody's whatever is what they deal with. So I don't want to necessarily say that just because you weren't raped, that you don't have serious trauma around somebody hurting you. But I would say, I guess I'll use that one because I was raped when I was younger. So I think that for a long time, like I always consider myself a really nice person, but for a long time, I would say, I don't hate anybody except for that one particular person. Mm. Like that was the person who I hated. And then one day I woke up and I felt like it took more out of me to actively hate them. There you go. Then to just say, okay, I, one day I literally just woke up and was like, okay, I'm making a choice to forgive That's the word. That's the word. What choice? Choice. Yeah. Talk about that. Talk about that. So you asked, how is it that you get past the emotions? You have to decide that's something you want to do. There's Mm -hmm. no way around it. No way around it. People can think that they've forgiven someone and then realize that they haven't and say, well, it's just too hard. I can't do it. Say, you just, it's not too hard. You just gave up too fast. Anything that we want to do, we do it. We go to, it's people out here who won't forgive, but who go to a job they can't stand every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you ask me how you get past it. You do what you have to do. Right. So figure out how to use that same skill in something that's going to benefit you. So I decide I'm going to forgive and a day later I see the person or I think about something and I'm furious and I say, oh, this doesn't work. I can't forgive. So, you know, it makes me mad every time. Gets me just as mad as I was when it happened. Okay. It didn't work as forever, but you made the decision. So now you have to just decide again. Like people say being married requires falling in love with the person every day. You know, like you don't Mm -hmm, over and over again. You don't stay in that state of euphoria where you marry that person and, oh, I've always loved him. There's never been a time where I didn't love him. Oh, he's just the best. He's special. He's so wonderful. No, you have to make a decision. I'm going to love him or her no matter what. Today is not the best day, but I'm still going to do it. Right. It's all a decision. Love is a decision and forgiveness is an act of love. Mm, I like that. I think that, that and that is so true because you, I say all the time, like, I, I love my husband. I just don't like them every day. <laughs> right? right. I have to make an active decision to work through that by any means necessary. Because I think, and you touched on this in your book, forgiveness is really for us. It's not okay. for the other person. Because they half the time they walk around like la la la. Not a care in the world. Give a good crap whether you forgive them or they what? don't. I know that there are people who say. You know, I don't apologize because I'm not sorry because when I did whatever I did, I did it on purpose and I meant to do it. And for me, I'm like, okay, well, aren't you sorry that you hurt my feelings because of what you did? Like, that's what I want you to that part apologize for is the fact that regardless of what you did, it had an impact on me. And I would like you to ask me to forgive you. And then I said that out loud one day. 
And I was like, I felt silly in a way. Oh. I felt silly. Like, why am I? I don't need that person to ask me to forgive them. I can make a choice to just either let it keep bothering me and living over and over again and don't do nothing different, but I want a different result or make a decision that I'm going to move past it and I'm going to forgive them despite of the fact that they apologize or that they did it again. And I think some people mistake forgiveness for stupidity. (laughs) That's not the case. Not at all. It's not the case. It's the smartest thing you can do. It is because (laughs) you're the one who, again, like I, I feel like I don't like to allow other people to have control over me. So to me, like if I have that, if I'm harboring hate against them, then like with the rape situation, harboring that hate, that person could give a good crap about, they don't necessarily know how they impacted me. Right. I don't think. And I revert back to that 14 year old girl Mm -hmm. who was attacked by that person. And I'm the one who then suffers. I'm the one who gives up my power to them. And I don't want them to have that power. Exactly. It's like a power thing. And I don't want them to have it because I like to control my own destiny and my own situation and my own everything. And to me, it's just, I like that you said it's love because it is an act of love. Self-love too. Yes. More importantly, self-love, I would say. So, I mean. Since that's trending, we might as well go with it, right? (laughs) Yes, exactly. I think that people who, regardless of if they're sorry if they do it again, if they whatever, I still feel like, like you said, it's an act of self-love and it's important for us. It's powerful. And like you said, you didn't want the person to have that power over you. But a lot of people think that holding on to that right to not forgive is the power trip part. I don't have to forgive you because they feel like they're holding power over that person by not forgiving them because the person may care and may be begging them, please, please. And then, you know, so you feel powerful. I said, but if, and I talk about this too in the book, if you feel powerful holding on to the right not to forgive, Mm. just think of how much more powerful it is to actually free somebody. Now that's power. Yeah, that is power. So do all your friends come to you asking you about (laughs) forgiveness? (laughs) They do. (laughs) I mean, more so now, of course, but yeah, that has been the case because that whole ability to free somebody. I remember how gangster I thought it was when, it's so funny, this example, when they were, I don't remember where it was, there were some hostages somewhere and Al Sharpton, remember that time when Al Sharpton went and got them to release those prisoners? Yes. I was like, that's so gangster. Like, (laughs) oh my God, they've been trying to get these people out of there forever. And he went and whatever he said, they freed them. I said, that's power right there. That's power. That's the power that we need to be aspiring to attain. Right. So it's not even, so that's an example completely unrelated, but at the same time, it can be parallel to a situation where you're freeing someone and the power that comes with that. The way it makes you look and feel. You have a, this is like perfect because there is a quote in your book that I highlighted that I love. (laughs) So it says, forgiveness is the bandage that swaddles you in the comfort of being free to move around more easily as you do the everyday work that soothes the hurt that keeps your heart in a peaceful place. I love that because to me, it just, it focuses on then again, the Mm self-love, the what is it about? Like you can't control that person. You, there's nothing that you can do to make them want to be sorry or 
to want to act different or you can't control another person, but you can control yourself. You know, right. Pastor Mike talks about all the time. My, what is it? The, my response is my responsibility. my responsibility. Yes. That I quoted him in there. <laughs> I yes. quoted him in the book. Yes. And yeah. that's so true because I can't change the fact that you did whatever to me, but I can change how I then choose to respond to you going forward, how I choose to live my life. And I think you talked about this at the beginning. It's not the unforgiveness that we hold on to Joe over here. It doesn't just impact Joe or half the time. It doesn't impact Joe. It impacts us, (laughs) but then it impacts our relationship, the other people that we deal with. So I know that in your book, you talk about, you know, this, hurt that you felt when you had an issue with your ex-husband and that feeling that you have, how did that then impact your relationships going forward and your ability to trust or to forgive with future relationships? I didn't even have another relationship until I dealt with that. Mm. I don't know if it's because I couldn't see straight (laughs) enough to uh, have one or if it was just God's protection. Like, no, she never let her get herself together. She's not ready. But people get into things all the time and they aren't ready. So I don't know if that was it. But I just know that I felt like I was distancing myself from people I cared about. I remember uh, going into, I was in a, a huge funk, especially in the very beginning. And my friends, I could be on my way out to meet some friends and would get around, I'd be around the corner. One time I remember I was around the corner from the place I was going and had an emotional breakdown and turned around and went back home. But that would have been a distraction for you to they go out and hang out with friends. I didn't want them to see me like that because I couldn't get myself mm. together. Mm, okay. And I was protective of him at that point because I was still hoping that we could work it out. So I didn't want anybody to see how much it was hurting me mm. because I didn't want them to talk me out of trying to work it out. Mm-hmm. So there was that. <laughs> yes. And, and I remember specifically seeing the person's face that I said something really mean to because she was trying to ask me how marriage was going. And I was just like, ah. you know, like, he <laughs> <laughs> asked me about my marriage. You know, like I was in my feelings because it was horrible. And I didn't want to know. I didn't want her to ask me that. But she was asking me out of my kindness. But I tore her a new one, apparently. Don't did you apologize? I, in my book, I did. <laughs> if you're reading this, I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> that was your own. You need to go back and call that. I don't girl. even know who it was. Oh, okay, okay. Who it was. Okay. It was just some <laughs> random person who knew I had just gotten married. But got it. Okay. And we ran into each other in the store somewhere. Oh, got it. Okay. And I, yeah, I don't remember who it was or where it was, but I just remember the reaction that showed on her face to whatever I said in response to her question. And that was when I decided I've got to figure this out. I've got to do better. Because remember, I told you, I don't like seeing people being treated meanly. Right. I don't want to see that anywhere. And if I find out that I'm a part of it, I'm extremely upset because I'm supposed to know better because I don't like seeing that. Right. So I had to fix it. But at least I think the good thing is, and people don't always recognize it. You recognize that you were being a mean girl in that moment. Mm -hmm. So I think at least you, I mean, you might not have 
acknowledged it right away, but it, mm-hmm. acknowledging it later on mm-hmm. is I think important. Like I always, I'm envious of people who like, I'm not a argumentative person. So in general, I don't like to argue, but I'm always envious of the people who can always like remain focused poised. and poised and not allow that person to get the best of you and da da da. Because I'm really good about saying, you know, my response is my responsibility and da 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 da. <laughs> but then in the heat of the moment, when so and so is calling you a you know what and this and that and da da da, it's difficult to hold on to those things. How do you? I think one piece that I struggle with is how do you forgive somebody if they keep doing the same thing over and over and over again? You either have to decide to remove yourself from the situation where they don't get the chance to do something over and over again, or you have to find a a reason outside of that experience that makes you want to do it. Like for instance, with my second marriage, my husband, ex-husband, my son's father, we are together. And I'm convinced that there are parts to the story that we have completely different outlooks on, like perspectives. Right. If he told what happened, it would be a completely different story than what I would say. As a result, there are things that I see that he still does that he doesn't seem to be sorry for because he doesn't even see where they're wrong. But we have a child and that's more important to me. So every time I'm tempted to get mad about something that he's doing or not doing, I have to remind myself it doesn't matter more than my son. So guess what? So that's, (laughs) I call that everyday forgiveness. You think forgiving somebody, you know, you think forgiving somebody is a big deal. Wait till you got to forgive somebody over and over for the same thing. They're not even sorry. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, I live it. I know one thing that I, I used to say And I just still do say it sometimes, like when you're done with certain situations and somebody does something and my way of kind of moving past it would be, oh, they didn't know any better. Mm. Oh, they didn't know any better. Sometimes they damn well, they did know better. (laughs) (laughs) They knew better. They just chose, just like I make a choice Mm -hmm. to move past it. They just Mm -hmm. chose to keep doing it again and again. But sometimes I do think that that person doesn't necessarily realize how, what a huge impact that thing can have on you. Definitely. And I want to believe because I believe I'm a glass half full kind of girl instead of half empty. So I want to believe that if they truly understood how much it hurt me, or if I did the same thing to them and they could feel that pain, Mm -hmm. that they wouldn't necessarily do it again. So when I say, oh, they didn't know any better, that's basically what I mean. But that's sort of my coping mechanism to then (laughs) say, okay, well, let me, I can't move past it because of this. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Like I like I literally have to talk to myself over and over again and say, okay, it doesn't matter. Like you said, it's like a constant thing. It's like a constant choice. It's a constant decision. Exactly. Over and over again to say, okay, I'm going to move past this. My, I'm going to try to make this short. So my biological father was not, I didn't know that he existed at first. I found out when I was a teenager that my stepdad wasn't my dad. And when I found out that my biological father was my dad, he didn't really take an active role to be in my life. I was his only biological child. And in my eyes, I was a good girl. Like I got good grades. 
I was overall pretty much respectful to my parents. I couldn't understand why he didn't want to be in my life. Couldn't understand. And I mean, this went on. I was a full-fledged adult. And he would, it's not like he didn't want to be in my life, but that he made a decision not to be. I didn't want money. You know, my mother wasn't looking for child support. I didn't want him to buy me anything. It wasn't anything like that. It was, I wanted to be wanted, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. And it's interesting because, you know, there will be times in, in my life where he would pop in or pop out or he was, he actually worked for the post office and his route was near my job when I worked downtown. Mm-hmm. So he never liked to tell me he was coming because he didn't want to disappoint me, but he would like pop up and the receptionist would be like, the mailman is here to see you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, huh? And then it would click. I was like, oh, okay. So fast forward to, I think it's been four or five years ago now. At this point, he like completely shut off all communication to me. He lived like literally minutes from me all my life. Okay. Like all my life, he always lived in this one place. And I went looking for him one day and he moved and he didn't tell me that he moved. Mm. So that was like another level of hurt. And my stepmother, she was like the, I felt, you know, in retrospect, I felt bad for her because I felt like she was caught in the middle, but like he was just gone. So we hadn't talked for a while. One day I received a phone call from her. She contacted me through Facebook and she was like, your dad had a stroke and I'm medevacing him to the hospital. I'm like, what? And of course I dropped everything that I was doing and I went to him and for months and months and months and months and months, that's what I did. He survived the stroke and he had to go through this long process of being in hospital, being in rehab, et cetera. But what was interesting that came out of all of this was after he, now he's more himself. And after he got to this point, now he calls me just to say, thank you. He thanks me for being there for him, despite of everything. And I'm glad that then I made those that decision to, I never wanted to cut him off because I always was like, oh, it must be something wrong with him because he don't realize how good I am. <laughs> like I really, I'm that kind of confident person. So, and it wasn't like I, like I said, I didn't need him to do anything for me per se. I wanted him to be there for me. I wanted him to know my kids. I wanted him to just want to be around me. And I know I can't, you can't force that upon people. And even yesterday he called me first thing in the morning and was like, Merry Christmas. And thank you. And I was like, why are you saying thank you? Like, I ain't get you no gift. That's the other thing. Girl, I take gifts over there. It would be his birthday. It would be holidays. I would like send stuff. I would send, I always sent a Christmas card and that wasn't him and what he did, but I didn't do it to get a response. I did it because it was important for me to know that I was doing whatever I could. Exactly. To move past that hurt. Cause it, it still hurt. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't lie. It it was still hurting me, but I made an active decision to kind of just keep moving past it. And even today, like literally, like I said yesterday, he called and was like, thank you. And I was like, why are you saying thank you? I'm good. (laughs) But you heard what you're saying. You say you keep saying active decision. Yeah. Keep making the active decision. That's it. You figured it out before you realized you had figured it out. Right. That's just like giving to someone and praying for someone. Those are the two things that if you continue to do that, unforgiveness impossible. It's impossible for you to not forgive somebody you're constantly praying for or constantly giving to. What if you're praying for them to die? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? 
just like, girl, I don't something. even know why that popped in my head. I ain't no. never prayed for nobody to die. I'm just no, saying. No, no, no. I'm speaking to my other listeners who oh, may I have. Know. I know. I've heard. I heard. Prayed that somebody that, got hit by a car. I've heard a lady say that before. You know, I will kill you until God you died. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I understand. But people do. And people have prayed. I'm sure, uh, very morbid (laughs) prayers like that. But we already know those have no power because prayer only works if you're praying for the actual will of God. Anyway, but the whole thing is you figured it out. The decision had to be made over and over. And every time you didn't feel like it, that's probably when you had to press yourself harder, get it done. Yeah. And that's the same way forgiveness works. Yeah. You don't feel like it, but you know what? Guess what? It's not about to get me my feelings. Mm-hmm. I'm in control. My feelings are not going to run this. Yeah. Not they're not going to run this. I'm I got this. And doing it over and over again. Hell, that's a oh, I shouldn't have said that. I was what? about to say that's in the Bible. About, you know, just in general, like how many times do I need to forgive? Seven times. No, 77 right. times or seven times. You know what I mean? Right. So You're supposed to lose count, basically. Exactly. <laughs> You're not really supposed to keep tabs on it. You're just supposed to do it. You're supposed to want to do it. It's supposed to just be within you to do. And sometimes right. it's not within you to do, but you got to figure it out. You have to realize that you are just as capable of needing forgiveness so that you can continue to be the one who forgives when it's yep. time to do that. Yep. You are not perfect. And I think that's a, what you were saying in your story. You were just saying about you are a good girl. So in your mind, you were doing everything right to deserve that. But it wasn't about that for him. It had nothing to do with you. Yep. It was his own reasons that you may or may not ever know. Exactly. And things happened the way they were supposed to happen. Like I couldn't imagine the one who I call daddy not being in my life. Like that was supposed to happen. There are three girls. I'm the oldest of three. I promise you that I'm his favorite and I'm not his <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I don't care what those other girls say. It, I'm doesn't his matter. it doesn't matter. So it's not like I grew up and I didn't have a father figure in my life. I did, right. but it was like the one person who you want and you expect to want you didn't so it's just kind of moving past that hurt Mm -hmm. and that it takes a lot out of you sometimes but so glad I did I didn't allow it to it didn't stop me from sending another birthday card or sending another Christmas card or doing whatever do you know what I mean that's the powerful part that's where you showed hey I'm bigger than this yes I I am yeah so what's next for Danita and getting people to understand the importance of forgiveness? Well, as you mentioned earlier in the introduction, I transitioned from one career to now life coaching. So that is very much a part of it. I realized that once I released the book that I was kind of starting to do that anyway, because people would send me inbox messages or call me, send a text message and ask me, listen, this is what I'm going through. What do you suggest? So I wanted to take life coaching more seriously and not just do it on the side, but actually focus on helping people get to a better place and not just individuals, but I'm looking at much larger focus. I look at how we're dealing with, you know, this being the end of 2020 and how we've had to deal with so much loss and pain in this year as a nation with the Black people being killed senselessly and people losing their lives because of COVID senselessly because we feel we a lot of us feel like it could have been handled way better. And we're dealing with some unforgiveness in those areas. 
So Mm -hmm. even as larger groups, like I want to address larger groups in handling those types of levels of unforgiveness. Okay. We, because the bottom line is we have to get past it all and we're not going to heal if we don't forgive. Mm -hmm. We have to figure out how those situations to put it very, to mildly, huge understated, these situations in our lives that we've experienced in 2020 have caused so much turmoil to large populations of people. We have to address it. So I'm looking at how to make what I'm doing me a bigger thing and how I can impact masses of people and help us all heal because the same strategies work, whether it's a small thing or a big thing, if you can put a size to hurt. Right. That is so important. And I didn't even think about it in that context in terms of you're right. Like this entire year, if we didn't learn anything else, it should be how precious life is. Exactly. And how just with like a snap, things can change. Just like that. Just think about it. I remember, you know, welcoming in the new year and oh, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that and Mm -hmm. and them talking about COVID-19 and how it wasn't here and we didn't need to worry about it. And now look, right. There are people, I was reading something the other day about this couple. They were both teachers in Texas. The kids had to turn off the life support for both the parents. They literally lost both their parents and they allowed them to die holding hands because they both were sick. And one minute they were fine. And they were, I think the mom was still actively working in the school system and they ended up getting, they both got it. They weren't even that, I mean, they were barely, I want to say they were in their fifties and they both, it got really hard on both of them physically. And they both ended up on a ventilator and the kids had to make the very difficult decision to cut it off. And it's like, couldn't imagine. I could not imagine, but I think that it just teaches us how important and how short life is. Mm -hmm. Uh, One more thing that I thought about, and I wanted to share this with you. I completely forgot to bring it up earlier. So I was looking at, it was like one of those shows on true crime TV. I can't remember which one it was. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was, it was a 14 year old boy and he was with his friends. It was like another 16 year old. It was like three of them. They robbed this man on his way home from work. He had gone to like a white castle to pick up some burgers for his family. They robbed him, got less than 50 bucks from him. And they shot him and killed him Mm. at the trial, at the sentencing or at the, some part of the court, it was a court proceeding that they Mm -hmm. showed. They showed the mother of the victim, the one who was killed, extending this huge amount of forgiveness Mm -hmm. to the son. She was Muslim. And she said that her son's death was ordained to happen. It was going to happen. And in her opinion, her like, pursuit or her passion or her drive now needed to to focus on this young boy Mm. and she promised she looked at him she looked at his mother and she said I promise to be a part of his life for the rest of his life I forgive him it is now my job to make sure that he never thinks about doing this again to anybody else that he's able to impact other people like I was boohooing okay Mm It was so powerful. He, she hugged the mother. She asked the boy, could she have a hug? And it was her. She then saw it as, she was like, I don't know. She was like, you know, she didn't necessarily believe that God wanted her son dead. She wasn't trying to say that. Right, but what right. she was trying to say was perhaps 
as a result of his death, it's to be able to save your life yeah, and to save these other young boys' lives and for you to have an impact on them. Maybe my son was finished doing what he needed to do on this earth. And it was just so impactful and just the judge who <laughs> was wiping back tears, okay? Mm-hmm. Because it was just so powerful to hear her say it and just, yeah. I'm sure it took a lot for her to get to that point to be able to not only think it, but then to also speak it and to really embrace him. But to me, that was like the ultimate act of, I'm going to send you the article because I was like, I looked her up after that. Let me tell you, there are so many stories like that because I was, once I started focusing on forgiveness, I uncovered a whole forgiveness project that Van Jones. Oh yeah, from CNN? Yeah, he had a whole project on the forgiveness project. He was reuniting criminals with their, with the people they had attacked Mm -hmm. and they were getting together and doing interviews and these people were extending the forgiveness and the criminals were taking on new lives and just becoming completely free and productive people as a result of these meetings that they were having that it was amazing i saw a story with a lady she lives next door to the guy who killed her son and mm. like literally like she walked out of her house and, and she got to see him every day they have a relationship like she hugs him she oh. takes it taking him on as her son wow that's powerful right there so you can't <laughs> tell me that there's anything unforgivable right. there's nothing you just have to decide that's what you want wow that's powerful So what would you say is the key? If you were to, let's say you were to go back 10, 15 years, what key to finding your voice and owning it do you wish you had known 10 years ago? The Just the power of telling my story without shame. I kept it for a long time, worried about two things, how it would make me look and how it would make him look. Mm -hmm. I was so concerned about people, well, not... I wasn't concerned about people looking at him like he was scum (laughs) as much as I wanted to make sure that people weren't mad at him now for something that I was over. Oh, yes. That. Because they were finding out. Yeah, it was like. Right. And that was what made me do it. Even to the point where I had a conversation with my editor when I was about to, we were finishing it up. And I was like, so what do you think? Should I let him see it? Should I tell him? Should I ask him? She said, if you do, if he says no, if he says you don't put it out there, what you going to do? Mm. I'm going to do it anyway. She said, so what are you asking him for? <laughs> and I said, this is, she said, this is your story. I said, right. And if he wants to tell his story, he can write his own book. <laughs> you are crazy. I, I like meant that. that though. I meant That's that. That's true. That's true. This is my story. If there's something about it that's inaccurate, then feel free to tell. But the thing is, because of the fact that we were to the point where we're cool, like if I saw him today, I can't say anything to him that, I mean, excuse me, I can say anything to him that I wrote in that book about him. We've had conversations like that. Right. Like, gee, thanks. I said, look, you did it. Don't be mad at me because I said it. Right. (laughs) But he knew that he had caused that kind of pain. I didn't hide it from him. So I figured if I'm over it and we're cool, who is anybody else to be mad at him about something that I'm writing about him? If you read to the end, you see we're good. (laughs) What I think is so important about that is when people, when you do that, I think that in a way you are, as long as your heart is right and you are doing it to help someone else exactly. not hurt the person like if you're doing exactly. it just to hurt the person then whatever but to me and that's something I've truly had to like learn and to work through is being able to show that vulnerability and you putting that out there 
Mm-hmm. Girl, you showing to somebody that they can't move past this because there are people who are in the midst of their mess right now, mm-hmm. who they don't feel like they can ever trust anybody again. They can never forgive. They can never be in another relationship. They couldn't do this, this, and this, and that because that person still has that power over them. So to me, I applaud you for sharing your story and for you know owning that truth and being okay with sharing it because I know you and I know that you're not doing it with a malicious intent. You're trying to use this because people, we're visual, we're illustrative people. Like we like to, it helps when you have context around things. Right. You probably said so many, you probably got a lot of DMs about from people (laughs) because you've set them free as a result of what you shared about your own personal situation. So I'm sure you had a lot of people either messaging you or sending you direct messages or emails, reaching out to you saying, girl, you set me free. I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing your story. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. And I think the benefit of it is I talk about how forgiveness has the word give in the middle. And every time I give, I'm giving back. You know how we learn the Bible tells us it's better to give than to receive. Mm -hmm. And I say the reason why that's true is because when you give, you get back anyway. So you're getting like a double for your a yep. double for your work. You're getting a twofer. You know I what I'm like saying? That. Like yes. a buy one, like a buy one, get one. You got a, your BOGO offer right there. <laughs> because, <laughs> because every time I give, every time I share, other people are f- being freed, but I get even more free every time I tell my story. It's almost addictive. It's why when people ask me, do I want to share? Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because now that I understand what I didn't know 10 years ago, that sharing my story would free me the way it has. I want to say it as much as I possibly can. And I will tell as many details as you can take. Right. Okay. Because it's a whole lot. (laughs) It's a whole (laughs) lot that didn't make it to the book. Like, oh, I could probably write a whole sequel to stuff that didn't get in there. But it does something to me where I feel empowered and invigorated every single time I share it. And when I see other people going, oh, I never thought of it like that. I'm like, that's what I want. Right. I want you to see it differently. I want you to see that you can do it. I want you to see that you have the power. You have the tools. You have everything inside of you already to be just as capable of forgiving as me or anybody else. You just got to figure out what it is, how to get to it, how to use it. It's possible. I love it. I got you. I'm here. Thank you. (laughs) I love it. So I want to close this out with a couple of random things. Because to me, I feel as though we are all very complex onions with all these like layers of to ourselves that people don't necessarily understand and they don't realize until you start peeling it away. And so I think it's important for just from a listener perspective to kind of get to know whoever my guests are on a different level. So what would you say something, I want to know something either surprising or random about you that the normal typical person wouldn't expect or wouldn't know from you, know about you? Oh, it's funny. People see me and they write comments on my posts about different things that I've said regarding forgiveness and what I've been through. And they think, oh my gosh, you're so strong, all that kind of stuff. And I think people would be completely surprised to know how easily I cry. (laughs) (laughs) I am a crybaby. I have to tell you. I tell my friends if I if it looks like I'm getting into a relationship with someone as a companionship, I have to warn him, listen, I just need you to know 
that at the top of every emotion, I got tears. Don't be scared. <laughs> That's just you. Because I, I mean, literally, like it could be sadness, but people always think it's sadness when they see tears. Right. No. When I'm extremely happy, I'm extremely sad. I'm scared. I'm angry. I'm yeah. concerned. Any emotion, every single emotion that I experience, if I'm at the height of that emotion, I got tears. So I tell people, I said, don't look at me. Don't look at the fact that I'm crying. Listen to what I'm saying. You know? Right. <laughs> I have to, because I'm crying. Like, I can't. I Girl, can't. That's me. I, I'll look at something on TV and it's like I'm crying and experiencing it. Like, I know those people. Like, I get all yeah. up into it and I'm happy about yes. something. I can't breathe. And then don't let somebody else be in a room with me. Then I'm mad because I don't want to have to hide my emotions. <laughs> I don't want to have to do that. So if people want to find you, Danita, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you? The best way is to go to my website, danitalynn.com. And it's spelled D-A-N-I-T-A-L-Y-N-N-E.com. Because every way to contact me is on that website. Like all my social media pages, it's all there. And people can go there and click to get a free download of an excerpt of the book as well. So like a twofer <laughs> oh, yes I love it okay yeah. so and we, what we'll do is we'll also put that in our show notes okay, so great. that it's there for our listeners so thank you again this has been great I appreciate you sharing with us and our listeners and for just sharing your heart and then having a not keep, keeping your gift inside I appreciate that because mm. so many times people keep their gift inside and I believe that you are gifted when it comes to this area so thank you very much thank you for having me thank I had you. a ball this was fun all right so to my listeners thank you very much for tuning in to another episode and until next time grace and peace Thank you for joining the Find Your Voice and Own It podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave a review because I welcome and value your feedback. You can also tag me in your stories at It's On Your Day so I can personally connect with you and know who is in my tribe. I am looking forward to continuing to work with you to write your own story. Until next time, grace and peace.